everyone, Tony and John here bringing you King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. The last time uh, we all met, we uh, the Kings had jumped up to the fourth pick in the NBA draft. And since then, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of, you know, trying to figure out what the Kings should do with that fourth pick. Um, whether it's, you know, draft in that fourth spot, trade it for, uh, you know, like a win now move, get a veteran player. Uh, even talks about trading it up or even trading it back and getting like a rotational player and another, you know, lottery pick from that deal. But, um, John, what, what are your thoughts on these uh, scenarios re- uh, involving this fourth pick? Um, well, you know, it's like we said last week, uh, this fourth pick, um, you know, despite not being in the top three, which is kind of the promised land, so to speak, uh, it's a lucrative position to be in. Um, there's a lot of options, as you just laid out. Even breaking down the four basic things you can do with this pick uh that barely does anything to hide the fact that there are just so many options so many names so many you know prospects trade opportunities um that are out there um it's a it's a great position to be in and i think if you're looking at it from the outside it's really interesting and you know if you're a fan it's exciting but uh you know just got to be lucky that you don't have to make this pick i think uh james ham was describing it as there must be four whiteboards that are just being scribbled on, you know, profusely uh, with these four essential options. Um, uh, you know, this is a, if, if uh, McNair is kind of at a make or break moment, it's definitely could be, uh, uh, you know, car- uh, illustrated in this moment, what he does with this pick. Um, Cause you know, they're trying to win now and, he has an opportunity to really hit a home run here and in so many different ways. And, uh, you know, as we break those down, um, it just, I guess, goes with, you got to go with whatever uh, offers the best opportunity. And, um, you know, and some of those range in, 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 in like how long they'll take to be delivered. You know, some guys would be instant in terms of getting like an, a rotational veteran or something like that, or a big time name, maybe not a big, big time name, but, a, a considerable uh, talent, you know, or even some draft picks that could make an, an instant pick. Or there, there, are, there are instances where maybe you 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 take Jade uh, Shaden Sharp uh, fourth overall, and you know, the raw talent that he is, it might take a while for him to reach his maximum, uh, you know, uh, ability to impact uh, the team. But it'd be it'd be interesting, you know, as we go through this. But certainly a great position to be in. Um, and you know, the McNair will have a lot to, a lot to consider. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, I mean, it's a great spot to be in having this fourth pick. Uh, it's very important and, um, you know, the, the franchise is at a pivotal, a pivotal point and, you know, where the Kings are right now and what, what they're going to do with this pick, it's going to be, it's going to be very, you know, important um we the kings don't get a, a top four pick very often even even in their long you know their long streak of missing the playoffs so they've only got top four what like this is the third time i believe maybe top top four it might even be the second right i mean no i think i think tyreek went four bagley went second i believe tyreek oh, went four yeah. yeah and what cousins go five 
Uh, he must have. I'm, I'm not I think 100% he went. sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But, yeah, you know, the, the Kings don't really get these top four picks often. And, you know, the, there is a lot of um, – there's, there's four four options right there. I mean, you're talking about trading up where you – I mean, you can try trading up and uh, snagging either Holmgren or Jabari Smith, who would, you know, seem to fit in with the team. They'd be the best fit and obviously the best player available if you move up. Uh, kind of, you know, best of both worlds in the term of drafting for fit or drafting for, uh, you know, drafting the best player available. And definitely someone that can, you know, be with this franchise a little longer term. Um, you know, they're, they're both both very interesting prospects. Or maybe, you know, trade for a veteran player. Um, fourth pick and, you know, snag you someone pretty, pretty good. Maybe, you know. A controversial figure, perhaps, um, like borderline all-star. I see, like Pascal Siakam being thrown around a little um, in these this trade talk at the moment. I wouldn't call him controversial, but you know, kind of like a borderline all-star guy. Maybe wants a wants a different look. Maybe a team's willing to trade one of their better players. So you bring in a guy like Siakam. Um, I mean, he could he could possibly fit well next to Sabonis and with Fox. Um, no, it's just it's just so important. And McNair, like you said, he probably's got four whiteboards, you know, just scribbling all the possible scenarios that could happen with each with each you know option. Um, yeah, I mean they got I think they got a month from today or yesterday until the draft, so they they still got a lot to think about, but you know. It's just a month away. Right. Well, maybe we should go through some of these, you know, considering, you know, there's essentially four. Maybe we could break it down into just three um, possibilities here. Um, you know, maybe we could start with uh, the scenario that the Kings use the fourth pick. Um, we could start there. Um, if you want to go ahead and uh, think about that scenario at all. Yeah. I mean, if they use the fourth pick, it's most likely going to be of three people. It's going to be Jaden Ivey, it's going to be Shaden Sharp, or it's going to be Keegan Murray. I believe with the way McNair has drafted the last two drafts, it's going to be either Ivey or Sharp, depending on who he deems you know the best player available. Maybe Bancaro drops down to the fourth spot. Uh, maybe Smith or Holmgren do somehow. Um but if none of those three are available, I mean, I, I think the big board would is definitely Smith, Holmgren, and then um, Bancaro for the Kings and a lot of teams. Maybe a little different, but I think for the Kings, it's probably around that order. Um, but after that, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Ivy or Sharp, I think, are going to be the fourth best player available. Sharp, you know, we've talked about him kind of you know, a little controversial himself and not playing in at a Kentucky this uh, past college basketball year to preserve a top 10 spot. You know, you don't really like hearing that. You don't really like uh, taking that gamble on a guy you haven't seen play at, you know, a, an elevated level. That's not high school. That's all we, that's the only tape we have on this guy is high school. But he is, um, he is impressing at the combine and, um, you know, Kings have interviewed him and stuff like that. So, um, you know, him and Ivy, they're both shooting guards. Um, 
I don't know. You, you can kind of go either way at this point in drafting them, but I think if they were to use that pick, it'd be between one of them two. Not the best fits for the team, but maybe someone you can develop, maybe someone you can throw next to Fox uh, in the future, or maybe someone you can trade like they did with Halliburton. They got a two-time All-Star and Sabonis in return, so that's another way of looking at this pick. Like maybe, you know, maybe he's not looking to be on the team long term, or McNair's not looking for them to be on the team long term. But maybe you know, you know, developing them and then flipping them for you know more assets. So, what about you? What do you what do you think with this fourth pick if they end up drafting? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, um, you know, when it comes to uh, using the fourth pick. Um, the way the only the only way I see them using the fourth pick is is drafting Shade and Sharp. One because I just don't think they they are ever going to be in a position to draft Ivy. We'll get more into that with the trading back conversation. And same thing with Murray. I think they like Murray. I think Murray would be a good fit uh, with the Kings. But like we said last week, maybe four is a little bit of a stretch. Maybe you can move back a few spots um to uh get a little bit of compensation and still get a very good player that among the rookie class uh that's going to be incoming uh, has a chance to make one of the more substantial impacts right away um but at four just not 100 percent sure um uh shaden sharp at the end of the day could very well have the best career out of this this draft and i know you could say that about anybody but, you know, and that gets said about Holmgren a lot and all these guys that you just kind of don't know. Um, but Shaden Sharp is a mix of athleticism and shooting that is just seems so promising, as I understand it, based on what scouts are saying um, and based on the tape and everything like that and the, the raving reviews about him at his pro day at the Combine and whatnot. Um, he has all the upside in the world. And at 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, I feel like he can consider him a wing guy especially if you you know not maybe right away he's gonna have to develop his body a little bit um at the nba level but in a few years i think he would be a very very he has a chance at least to be a very very exceptional wing uh for this team um and if you're talking about you know this team winning now um you know harrison barnes is a great three but he is getting up there in age and maybe this is a good opportunity to slide in a guy that can develop with this team, build some chemistry with these guys, and maybe in a year or two or whatever, uh, end up being a really, really, really good investment. Um, I think, you know, given the fact that the Kings have interviewed him, talked to him, they're fleshing everything out. They're going to figure it out. Like like, like you always make the point of saying, at the end of the day, McNair and, and company are going to make the decision, and all you can do is sit there and trust it, you know? And I 100% agree with that. Um, and we'll have to see, but, um, you know, this is why we thought this immediately that there was a good, good chance that this was going to get traded, this pick, um, because in, unless you're in the unlikely scenario where, you know, teams pass up Jabari Smith, you know, or Holmgren, um, you're going to be kind of at this threshold point that is really almost just dangling too much in terms of, uh, what you can get from a trade uh, than what, you know, as, as opposed to what you can just do picking. Because at the end of the day, I just think that all you can really do in terms of picking the four, picking at number four is um, 
getting sharp. And that's if you want them. And, you know, that's going to be the decision that has to be made. But, um, you know, with Ivy and Murray, you know, they're great transitions into the trade talk because, you know, you know, who picks behind Sacramento is Detroit. And, you know, um, there's been talks that teams like Oklahoma City, who are a few picks back there, um, would be really interested in getting a Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, mix with uh, uh, Jaden Ivey. Uh, maybe they want to trade up or another team wants to trade up. Well, then all of a sudden that puts Detroit in a position where they want to maybe secure their guy. Again, I think we said Detroit could really use a guy like Ivy, a guy that they could pay up, pair up with Cade Cunningham, who's a great playmaker um, that can, you know, in Ivy, they're going to get a great score with great athleticism, just explosive um, things that they need. And, you know, that is, you know, Sharp and Ivy are kind of the mix at four in terms of big boards. But on a lot of teams, Ivy's kind of like in the same conversation as the top three in a way. And so they really, really value him. And so that's, you know, puts the Kings in a position where they could really get a lot for a team that wants to get Ivy. Um, and then in the process of doing that, they could still get Murray, you know, um, if Indiana wants to trade up and, and, and from six and go to four and get, you know, leapfrog Detroit to go get Ivy or something like that. Although I'm not hundred percent sure that they would want to go after Ivy. Um, but I don't know. Um, let's just say that because the Pacers have been connected to the Kings, as you said, with Michael Brogdon, um, that would be an interesting scenario, would it not, to swap picks and get, you know, a guy like Brogdon in the process? I think you'd have to do a little bit with contracts there. But, um, you know, that, and then I think another Bleacher Report article wrote about, um, gosh, what's the guy's name? Uh, I forget his first name. Uh, Brissett on Indiana. Oh, is it O'Shea Brissett, um, who's like a combo forward. He wouldn't be really a guy that you could plug in starting at power forward, but you could get him in the forward rotation. Another guy that could kind of add a little bit to you. Um, you know, there's obviously picks that they could trade back just a little bit um, or, you know, maybe a little bit more than that and, you know, get a bunch of guys, you know, uh, in terms of kind of rotational guys. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that in specific or Brogdon or any of those guys specifically, but, you know, there's obviously a lot there. And they can still, as I said, the important thing is they can still get a guy like Murray or they can still get other guys that we can mention in just a second that are, you know, in that kind of mid-lottery range and mid-first-round range. Yeah, this is in a situation, uh, I mean, I've thought about it, but not too deep enough where I have all these trade scenarios or trade partners in my head. Of course, the obvious comes out with the Pistons, like you mentioned. Maybe, you know, giving them that fourth pick or just drafting Ivy and trading them, you know, straight to them. Maybe for a guy like Jeremy Grant, maybe for a guy like Sadiq Bay, and then obviously the number five overall pick. Um, and then, like you said, the Pacers as well with, um, you know, maybe getting Brogdon and then trading over some picks or some, you know, other contracts to free up space. You know, it, it, it would be ideal. I don't know if... You know, I don't know how good of a player the Kings could really get in return just for a team moving up one or two spaces or spots. Um, 
Like, could the Kings really get Sadiq Bay just for the Pistons to move up one spot? Do they want Ivy that bad? I could see Jeremy Grant a little more, um, you know, coming over in a package. His contract's a little more expensive. I don't think the Pistons are looking to win now. Um, so I, I, I see that a little more realistic than maybe Sadiq Bey, who's still young, who's only going to go into his third year and has showed a lot of promise. Um, Brogdon, I mean, I I could see that happening. I, I, I think, you know, he looks like he's going to get the boot from Indiana, um, having, you know, Darte and uh, Halliburton now. So, I mean... I wouldn't mind Brogdon, you know, and then of course you can draft Keegan Murray with that. What are they six pick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you get Murray, who's you know ends up being the best fit with this team at that this point, anyways. Um, you bring over Brogdon, and you know, I, Brogdon's a solid player. He he definitely has trouble staying healthy, but um. I mean, I think he can play next to Fox. He's a 3 and D guy. His three-pointer has kind of been a little spotty, but he has been known to shoot out a high clip in his career. So I wouldn't necessarily mind that. Um, excellent defender, too. Excellent defender. And if they're really going to try to focus on defense, I mean, <laughs> you can't get, you know, Brogdon's one of the best guard defenders in this league. And um, shoot, I imagine him and Davion in the game together. That'd be awesome. But, yeah, or you could even do not to interrupt too much, but you could no. do Davion, Dante DiVincenzo, and him one, two, three. Yeah, in some lineups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it it that Brogdon one's definitely interesting. I, I noticed a lot of people, um, I posted something on Instagram today. I mean, everyone was against it, surprisingly, about going after Brogdon in general. Um, not even with the like the fourth pick or whatever, but I was surprised to see how many people say no to this. Because, I mean, I think, you know, like a 3 and D, that's who the Kings need. I, I get Brogdon's not healthy, but, I mean, we were just talking about Victor Oladipo a couple weeks ago. And um, fans were very receptive. Like, sure, like Oladipo. And maybe because Oladipo has that all-star behind his name. but Also think, cheaper. He, also cheaper, yeah. that That is very true. Um, you know, but both injury But Brogdon's grad. easily played far more games than Oladipo over the last three years, I think. Yeah, e- easily. I mean, Oladipo's barely played last two years. But I don't know. They'll be interesting. I definitely need to uh, do a little more research and the Kings moving back a pick. Um, maybe getting a rotational guy in the process while also maintaining a lottery pick. I, I, I think that might be the best you know, one of the better scenarios of the four. I think the best scenarios would be either that or trading for like a win now veteran, like a Pascal Siakam. I, mm-hmm. you know, they could, I could see the Kings using the pick. I mean, there's plenty of talent at that fourth pick, but it is kind of like, I don't know, like kind of going back on maybe drafting with that fourth pick and kind of like they're not being a clear cut number four pick for the Kings. Do you think McNair's lack of contract extension talks will um, influence him to maybe trade this pick rather than pick or, you know, select in this position? Cause I mean, there'd be a lot writing and say you get Shady Sharp, who's kind of more of a guy you have to develop really well. And he just turns out to be a bust or something like, you know, I mean, I guess that's a, a few years down and probably be after a contract extension, but 
I mean, to really not mess this up and maybe going with a safer option, I, I don't know. Do you think that's in the back of McNair's head with these contract extension talks rather than maybe taking a little more of a uh, risk of drafting someone or, you know, instead of making it a safe trade? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I obviously, I mean, I don't know the guy, <laughs> but um, I get if I had to guess, I, I, he got this job doing going with what he thinks is best, and 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 however he goes about that, I would imagine it's a pretty meticulous process considering he's an Ivy League grad. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's gonna let that bother him. He shouldn't, um, and you know, at the end of the day, I, I mean. I think he would rather, you know, I don't know that he's like, I feel like the scenario that they draft Shaden Sharp fourth, they'd really have to be high on the guy. They'd really have to be excited. Maybe think that he can be, you know, pretty significant in the rotation somehow or in some way as a rookie. But like, what's the likelihood of all of that happening? I mean, he can still be really good, but, you know, what a lot of the reports are indicating these days are that the Kings, you know, or at least the relevant motif throughout it all is that the Kings want to compete. The things the Kings think they can compete and drafting Shaden Sharp at the end of the day, it's kind of counterintuitive, counterintuitive to that goal in a way. Um, of course, like I said, it could be an investment. It could be something like that, but if there is going to be some kind of a, uh, pressure at play that's going to influence the decision it's probably i guess going to go more towards making a trade um now it, uh i should have mentioned this earlier i have a habit of like letting you talk about things without me like correcting you but i think the president of the raptors came out or was asked about pascal siakam and fred van fleet possibly being traded um to get into the top part of the first round because they don't pick until the second round i believe um, and they're kind of at an interesting point. And he basically said, no, we're not going to do anything like that. We, he likes the, they're, they're planning to stick with the core they have. So I don't know that the chances of getting Pascal Siakam, um, are actually there, which is interesting. Cause I feel like his name gets thrown around a lot and it's been connected to the Kings a few times, I think recently. And I guess there's just a reason he's never been moved is that they just don't intend to move him. Um, but you know, I guess, you know, like like we said at the trade deadline, you know, anything can change. Nobody's really a hundred percent untradeable. Um, so I don't know, but you know, I guess he would be more tempted. Uh, getting back to McNair, he'd be more tempted to trade back in some uh, way to get a, a better player. But um, you know, I just like the idea. I think you know we were talking about Brogdon. I just really like the idea of bringing in a guy like Brogdon. Um, and I know that crowds up the guard situation, but I'm pretty sure by getting Brogdon, you're going to be losing a guard or two. You're probably going to get, include Justin Holiday in that deal. I think he's getting paid $6 million. That's going to get included. You might dump off uh, Rashawn Holmes or something like that. I'm not 100%, 100% sure how that'll go. But basically with your four main guards, you know, being Fox, Brogdon, DiVincenzo and Mitchell I mean like we said like the matchups that you can do with those four you can play any two or any three of them out there together and you can get all sorts of mixes and, and looks and whatnot and you know I think that's one of the things that Brogdon offers is he's like he's like his position he's kind of like a I think I read it described as being a point wing you know like he's 
you talk about versatility, length, defense, attitude. He's all about effort. That's part of the reason he's so good defensively. You know, like that's almost that that's like on par with that Mitchell DiVincenzo characteristic. And uh, I don't think that you can just kind of like I, I get that it's not appealing. I get that it's not Pascal Siakam. Even though I don't know if 100% of people are crazy about that, given he's not really a stretch four or anything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess the thing is, you know, um, Brogdon could really provide a lot of things that I don't think necessarily pop up when you just read his name. But when you think about it, when you think about the particular rotations that 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 he'll he'll be a part of, and the different lineups that they'll be able to put out there based on matchups and whatnot. I mean, it just adds a whole level to versatility, and to length, and to athleticism, and to defense, and all these things that I said. And he's a good uh, option at scoring. You know, he you know even when he runs into trouble. You know, I think this year he really struggled with injuries. I think he only played thirty six games, but in the last stretch of games that he played, like the last 10, 12, 13 games, he was back up at his normal scoring clip over 20 a game, you know, even though he averaged less than that this season in the 36 games. Um, you know, he's still got a lot in him. He's 29, you know. He's 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 honestly a, a great player. I'm not saying that the Kings should go out of their way to do that, but I just that I think when you start thinking about all these things, when you start thinking about that McNair, just do what you can, kind of the best decision that you can make right there. It feels like somehow getting a guy like Brogdon, trading back a few picks, still getting a guy like Keegan Murray, all of a sudden your team's really good, I feel like. I mean, not really good. I mean, you still probably got to do a few things, but it's immensely better after draft night rather than just picking Shaden Sharp or something like that or, you know, whoever. Um, but, you know, I think if he's going to feel, I guess at the end of the day, to, to conclude my answer to your question, if he's going to do anything under pressure, it's probably still going to be the right decision. I don't know if it's really going to influence him in a negative way. I think at the end of the day, it probably won't influence him at all. He's just going to do him in the front office are just going to do what, you know, they do as stupid as that sounds. And <laughs> what a silly way to conclude that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you can turn this fourth pick into Keegan Murray and Malcolm Brogdon or somewhere along the lines of a, still a high lottery pick and a solid guy who can contribute right away. Like even, like I said, Jeremy Grant, perhaps. Yeah, um, exactly. Another defensive guy who can stretch the floor. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the best case scenario with this pick um, while also getting, you know, a top prospect in the draft. So, you know, I, like, I think the Brogdon Grant, um, you know, trades where you get the fifth or sixth pick and those players. Um, I, I mean, I, I personally, that's what I hope happens. I'm not sure how realistic that is. I don't know if the Pacers or Pistons would make that trade, but I could also see them making it, you know, at the same time. Like, I can, like, okay, like maybe they really want Ivy, like we were talking mm -hmm. about. Maybe they really want this guy. Or maybe Bancaro becomes available last second, and you know people are like, you know, they want to trade up and get him. Um, but I mean, more focusing on Ivy because he seems like you said a guy who is in the top three of people's draft boards, and people really want him. Um, you know, we're in the good position to pick him and trade him away. So, 
Um, is there any other t- uh, trade scenarios that you have the Kings moving back and maybe drafting someone else uh, more in the mid late lottery? Um, none that I've really seen. I mean, um, you know, those are kind of harder to come up with. I feel like as maybe as time goes on, some things more more potential scenarios will pop up. But of course, you kind of have your more outlandish ones. You know, like whether it's like you guys should they should trade the fourth pick to try to get Donovan Mitchell. It's like, I don't know. I don't really think that's going to happen. And I think that if anybody's going to leave Utah, it's probably more likely to be Gobert than Mitchell. Um, There's like no major indication that Mitchell wants to leave Utah. He said he'd want to he wants to stay. I think he said that like at the beginning of the playoffs. Um, People have said uh, Bradley Beal, which would be interesting. Um but I don't know. I, I haven't really heard. There's not really any like anything to back that up. That's just kind of like something that could possibly happen that you can't hundred percent rule out. And of course that would be crazy, but you know, yeah. how realistic, how realistic is it? And then like, there's some that are realistic, but it's like not really realistic. Cause it, I just don't think it would be a good move. It would be like getting Julius Randall from the Knicks. Um, you know, his one kind of outlier season where he shot like, like he shot like 39% from three or whatever, mm-hmm. um, like two seasons ago. Like you're not, I was like, you're not going to get that guy, you know? And I think a lot of people around the league know that from what I read and, you know, like there's things like that, but it's just like, I don't know that you're ever going to really get into like a grand slam situation where you're going to be getting, <laughs> where the Kings are going to end up with, uh, you know, somebody that's like, uh, a perennial all-star or anything like that. I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen. I really do think that this kind of trading back scenario really loans a lot of like credence to the idea that they're going to get a rotational guy, move back a few picks or into the middle of the first round somehow um, and still get a pick. And, you know, that kind of like allows us to, there's a few guys that are like not quite that like top echelon of player, but are still those like lottery prospects and like you can still get guys that can make uh, an impact you know um you can get like shooters um like aj griffin maybe if he doesn't get picked uh he's one of the best shooters in the draft um he's very good in transition he, he they say he's not very athletic but when you watch his tape he's blowing by people sometimes now i don't think he's gonna blow by people in the nba I don't want that to get misconstrued he is kind of a big fella for um you know he's 6'6 222 pounds um uh but you know he's he's got that shooting ability he he can move with the ball um good in transition there's there's good you know options there um uh with benedict mathurin i think is how you say his name uh, out of arizona uh, or just arizona um, he's another good shooter from three. I mean, he only shot, it was just 37% in college, which is not going to necessarily be a sharpshooter in the NBA, um, but he's athletic. Um, he can be uh, another force in transition. Um, he's a high character, good confidence guy. Um, if you could end up with him, that would be good. Or you could also maybe kind of a little further back on the big board. I mentioned him last week, Jeremy Sochan from Baylor, just a really high energy uh, high effort, good rebounder, um, lends himself on defense, smart player, um, you know, maybe doesn't have a huge upside, but man, you're getting another Baylor essential like defensive bulldog kind of a la 
Davion Mitchell, but big man, a power forward. Um, that's a great pick if you can somehow trade back to do that. Um, uh, I think he's been falling in a couple of people's mock drafts, but uh, Achai Agbaji from Kansas won the national championship. He's another great three-point shooter. Um, you know, uh, puts in a lot of intensity on defense. Um, I really think that he's kind of one of these guys that I don't know if a lot of people are giving enough credit in some of these boards because I feel like he's, from what I've understood, he's only kind of risen amongst what some scouts are, are, are saying about him. So he's another guy to kind of keep an eye on. And then there's like, you know, other names out there. I don't want to just like list off everybody here, but like those <laughs> are the people that immediately come come to mind, you know. Um, I know that there's been other names that they've like interviewed. Dyson Daniels is an enticing pick, uh, kind of an interesting guy. Um, Tari Eason is another kind of pick that would be, uh, you know, kind of defensive minded, tough guy. Um, you know, there's other guys like that, obviously. Um, I don't know. Is there anybody else that you have in mind there? I mean, like, I guess my point is that there's, there, there's more. You I mean like, even if you don't get Keegan Murray, there's still people you could get a veteran that can make an impact, and you can somehow get a rookie, especially if they're a shooter or a high energy defensive guy. They can make an impact in NBA rotations pretty quickly. You know what I mean? I mean that's what we were saying about Keegan Murray, why he would fit so well in Sacramento, is because you'd be able to do that, and that might be the mo here at the end of the day in terms of how the Kings pick, not necessarily how they use the fourth pick to draft, but how they use that leverage of being in the fourth position. Hmm. Hmm. But no. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you have anybody else in mind. I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, um, I I don't <laughs> I don't have anyone else in mind. I, I know there's a lot of people in the back, um, you know, not as high as a four pick, obviously, but, um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to add. Is what I'm trying to say. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, uh, there's just there's it's an interesting draft, and I think in terms of shooting, athleticism, and defense, there's some options here um, in the lottery scattered throughout throughout the first round so that i mean like you know maybe at the end of the day the kings don't actually use the fourth pick but the fourth pick is broadening their horizons and allowing them to um, kind of pick and choose where they want to pick um, amongst some pretty good and viable prospects um, but we'll probably have more on that to come in the coming weeks more on these kind of uh, lesser prominent um, or less prominent uh, prospects some that we mentioned some that we haven't yet but because uh, i think the kings have talked like 17 18 different guys i think, um, I think it's at 33 for like well total but i think like first round projected guys oh like, uh, i was reading i think that's what i see i see yeah james ham said and his uh what should we call it the guys i guess guys that you would use in the first round somehow um should clarify okay. Yeah, no, but you only talked to seventeen guys. <laughs> you have three <laughs> picks. You have three picks in the draft, guys. Um, no, that's fair. Um, but yeah, and then I guess you know, um, unless there's anything else on the potential trading back front, there's always that kind of fourth option, you know, because there's kind of. Well, I guess you know. I don't know if if you could think of any way that the Kings could just trade out their fourth and maybe another, maybe one of their second rounders. And just, is there any, 
any big names that you've thought about or anybody else that uh, comes to mind just i guess more broadly about trading or any names um maybe john collins i suppose he's kind of like one of those better rotation players um who can make an immediate impact but um no i mean other than that i'm you know i guess grant and brogdon were the main guys considering their their team spot in the draft lottery but yeah, I mean, kind of transitioning to what you were about to say with moving up in the draft, possibly. Um, it seems like the least likely scenario, unless, I don't know, unless they really think Jabari Smith or Holmgren is really going to be that guy. Um, I just I just don't see it happening. Well, especially with this win-now mode the Kings are basically in, it'd be kind of weird to see them trade up and get rid of, you know, they have to get rid of obviously something to trade up uh, and not just their fourth pick. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, it just doesn't seem realistic. Like Smith and or Holmgren would really, really have to wow these guys. Like McNair would have to wow McNair to consider trading up. What, what, do you, what are you thinking about that? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, they, it, in, in terms of Holmgren, they yeah, they would really have to like, they'd have to like see the future on him, and like see him be just one of the best players ever. You know, I I I don't know about that. Um, I do think there's a possibility they trade up. I think the only way they trade up is if they somehow get Jabari Smith, because at the end of the day, Jabari Smith, great fit, far more NBA ready in my opinion than Chet Holmgren, and from what other people have said. Um, and he's just got an, an, an amazing shooting ability and it just hit really tough shots and from weird angles and from all sorts of different uh, uh, levels. Um, you know, but that also relies on because if the Kings trade up, the way it's going to go most likely is the Kings would trade with OKC at two and they would position themselves number two. Now, that would rely on the idea that both the Magic and the Oklahoma City Thunder don't want Jabari Smith. And I just, I don't think that that's the case. You know, I just don't see how that could be. I just don't see how both those teams don't want him. Um, You know, I could see maybe a scenario where Holmgren would be in that position where someone would be willing to trade away to let someone else get him. Uh, That being between Orlando and Oklahoma City. But I don't know that the Kings would really want to do that. Like we just said, you know, I don't think he's to the same uh, upside uh, skill set and immediate fit. I think because, you know, Jabari Smith can actually make a difference right away. You could maybe even start him if you got him. Um, I'm not 100% sure about that. But you you know, it would be a possibility. Um, Holmgren, it's not really the same thing. He's more of a, I feel like he's more of a project. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does in the NBA his rookie season. Um, but you know, I just, in terms of trading up, I mean, can't hundred percent rule it out. Um, but that's again, only under the release, which seems like a completely unlikely scenario, uh, that both Orlando and the Thunder are like, yeah, we don't want Jabari Smith. I just don't think that happens. I think there's a chance Jabari Smith gets drafted number one, really. I mean, like, I feel like he might have the best odds right now. 
It'd be interesting mm. to know what the I don't know what the odds are in Vegas, but uh, I bet he has the highest odds. Maybe Holmgren. I don't know though. I I, I think it, I don't I don't know the odds personally, but I, I don't know. It's got to be Smith. I think he just you know, I think after you passed up uh, Kevin Durant for Greg Oden, I mean Smith kind of has that. He has kind of that um, potential of the Durant, like a tall guy who can shoot really well. I mean, it's hard to pass up, especially in this NBA where, you know, being able to shoot the three and stretch the floor is just so important. And this guy can do it so well um, or has the potential to do it really well or maybe even better than just a floor stretcher and, you know, a real star in the league. I would be surprised if he doesn't go number one. And, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think it would be t- t- trading up for Smith. It would be interesting. I, I, don't, I doubt the Kings trade up to get Chet Holmgren. It would have to be for Smith. But, I think you know, we don't know. Maybe they just really love Holmgren for some reason. But, um, yeah, and like you said, like it, and then on top of that, the Magic or the Thunder would have to not want him. And, like, why wouldn't you want this? What is he like six nine, six eight, six nine power forward who can shoot lights out? Um mm-hmm. he's six he, ten he's, actually. Six, he's six nine, uh, yeah. Jabari Smith, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I was getting I think Murray's like six eight. But um yeah, it's it's, it's just too uh, too big of a talent to pass up on and trading away that pick would be unlikely or to, you know, pass up on a talent like Smith that early, so um, I don't know. I, I I forget who even reported this. Maybe Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report about uh, the Kings trading up thing. Yeah, who um, was it? Uh, fucking uh, Abbott. I forget his first name. Um, I don't even know. It was from Hoops something. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Hoop Hoops View. I don't even know. I forget. I don't know. I don't want to give the discredit discredit guy. He just. Uh, but uh, you know, he was cited in that James Ham article, and they were obviously talking about it on their podcast because of it. But let me get the name. It's right. Here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here, I'll help you. Yeah, Henry Abbott, True Hoop. True Hoop. There we go. Yeah, he heard loose talk that the Kings are moving up from four. Um, and talking about the possible scenario of them trading with the Thunder at two. And again, like all we laid out, all the things we laid out, just they would probably only. I just, I mean, to give some credit to Holmgren, you're talking about the kind of ability for Jabari Smith to maybe be like a Kevin Durant. You could technically say the same thing about Holmgren, but like I said, he he's going to take a little bit, little bit of time. Not saying that Jabari Smith's going to come in and be an all star as a rookie, but you know, <laughs> he's obviously far more ready i just feel like he's far more you can bet on it at that point and yeah vegas odds does have it that jabari smith is number one um and for a reason you know i just think combined with everything like maybe holmgren has a higher ceiling he's he you know he's got a pretty decent shot great defender he can he's pretty springy but he's a thin kid man and i know like durant was too but it's like i don't know i feel like there's just a little bit more to go with with Holmgren and and to his credit you know he's tall and lanky he's not like uncoordinated he's 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 sharp physically um but 
you know, I just feel like it's a little bit more of a, they, they characterize him as a polarizing prospect for a reason, you know, high risk, high reward in a way. Um, so I, it, it just doesn't really a hundred percent make sense for the Kings to make such a emboldened move considering all the other reports about wanting to win now that makes sense that everybody's kind of speculated to be the case anyways. Um, just doesn't really add up at all. Um, and yeah, I mean, Smith would be great. That's just not going to happen. I don't think so. While you can't a hundred percent stick a nail in it, um, you know, it's probably not likely that they trade up. Um, I just, I just don't see how that happens. And even if like the Kings do, even if the Thunder, uh, you know, even if the Magic lock in on Holmgren and the Thunder were like, oh, we wanted Holmgren, well, we'll trade back and get Ivy or whatever. Um, you know, and then if that's the scenario, like who, who knows if uh, uh, Houston doesn't want to go get, um, uh, you know, Holmgren or something like that. You know, it's not gonna. You know, I, I don't know. It's just. It's just, you get in all these kind of weird scenarios and you just have to stick with your gut and go, it just doesn't make sense. Um, And so in terms of trading back, you know, I think that that's the least likely scenario. I mean, trading forward, I should say. Trading back is obviously the highest likely scenario. And I think trading back, as we said, for that kind of veteran rotational guy and, you know, mid lottery pick, mid to early mid lottery pick would be great, would be best, but I don't know. Trading up just doesn't really add up very much. Yeah, it doesn't. It 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 just doesn't seem likely. On top of that, either it it just doesn't make sense. I think the best move, like we've noted, moving back, you know, staying try to stay in the lottery and just get a guy, um, and get you know get that solid rotation player that can immediately make a difference. This is a win now team. Just drafting a rookie doesn't make sense you have the ability to trade it um not being in that top three makes it a little more flexible uh, you're kind of outside of that bankero holmgren smith range of drafting those guys so trading it seems like the most likely option at this point and might as well try to get someone in the draft still but also getting a guy that um you know can make a difference now so yeah i mean i feel I'll, like mm-hmm. i feel like i i just did I wanted to ask you a question. I feel like I, I kind of uh, babbled about what the dream scenario would be in the draft. I, I wanted to ask you, did you have a dream scenario, maybe based on this conversation, maybe you had it beforehand, of how, like, a dream scenario for how it goes for the Kings as a, from a fan's perspective? But, like, you, you know, also kind of grounded to reality. Yeah, you trade back, stay in the top 10, and get a Brogdon jeremy grant type guy I, I think my dream scenario was like that you know piston you know moved back to the five and getting jeremy grant or moving back to the six and getting brogdon um mm-hmm. basically one of those because you like i said you you have the ability to get like a guy like keegan murray or a top 10 pick benedict mathurin or um you know and then getting that solid rotation player that will help you win now but not totally mortgaging your future. Um, and you still have that high draft pick. So, I mean, the, the King, you know, I, I thought the Kings were going to pick seven or eight anyway. If you can pick seven or eight still and get a guy in return with that, you know, you're, you're sitting pretty well. So mm-hmm. that's my dream scenario. Do you, do you have 
one. No, as well. that's it. That's it right there. Yeah, that's, that's that's just you can't have it go any better in terms of maximizing. Yeah, like the the liquidation process, I guess, in terms of business, you know, for the sake of Rana Dive, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that is maximum value right there. And I feel like I I've talked a lot about Brogdon, and I didn't talk a lot about Jeremy Grant, but Jeremy Grant obviously at defense, and he's a better shooter than Siakam. Um, in a way, you're kind of getting a better fit version of Siakam. You know, it's not like Siakam's a big burly guy. He's kind of a slim forward, anyways. Um, so you know, I just, that's that's almost more of a dream scenario because, like, while Brogdon would be helpful, he doesn't serve as much of a pressing need as Grant would. Um, but I think, as you kind of alluded to, maybe it's more realistic to get Brogdon than it is Jeremy Grant. Who knows? We'll have to see. But there's a this is just a great position to to do something that we can absolutely maximize um, the fortune that the Kings landed last week on uh, the lottery night. Um, but uh, you know we mentioned uh, a few guys uh, here that uh, you know would make good sense maybe in the early mid mid lottery section of the draft. Um, for their energy and their defense and their character. And uh, that's obviously important because the Kings uh, want to build that sustainable winning culture. Um, and, you know, they, they got off to a great start by doing that, by um, hiring Mike Brown a few weeks ago. And uh, Mike Brown has begun uh, filling out his staff, um, bringing in a few guys that, he knew uh, in the Nigerian national team and elsewhere and uh, you know uh, other guys that have been around the league um, for a while and um, they seem like they're kind of on their way to you know or I guess not on their way I mean I suppose they're we'll find out whether they're on their way or not but they're off to a good start it seems in in establishing a, a nice culture from the, the sideline bench perspective of the coaching staff um, bringing in a guy like Jordy Fernandez, um, who's been the assistant in Denver for the last few years, and Jay Triano, who was the coach of the Raptors for a while there, and one of the most accomplished coaches from Canada, and uh, was more recently an interim coach for the Suns and uh, an assistant um, in Charlotte for the last couple of seasons, and uh, the young and upcoming Luke Lux um, that... Uh, or locks, not 100% sure how you say that. Yeah, um, me either. Who was a, kind of a player development guy that got hired by the Warriors, former college player, played overseas. Um, but, you know, it seems like you have a diverse range of experience and, uh, you know, you have guys that are all about, you know, about business that, are, that, have, that have proven that they're good teachers that take it seriously. Fernandez, for instance, is... You know, I think he's. They say he's one published work away from having a PhD in like sports sciences. Um, Jay Triano, like I said, is one of the most accomplished coaches in you know uh, uh, Canada's history. And the younger guy Lux is uh, coming at it with a more innovative uh, perspective of the game, and you're getting a range of experience, perspectives, and just you know guys that can contribute to a culture where players come to Sacramento and they're ready to win. They're ready to work. They're ready to do what it needs to be done to succeed because 
they'll believe based on the guys on this coaching staff headed by Mike Brown um, that they can win. And I think, you know, it seems so minimal, especially with the draft conversation going on, but it's just like to kind of read up on these guys and you can read more about them at capcitycrown.com. You know, uh, you know, just kind of seeing what they're doing. You kind of nod your head and you're like, yeah, all right. I see what's going on here. This is, this is good. These are positive. If, you know, you know, albeit not super notable um, footsteps uh, in the right direction, you know? Yeah, I mean, there are footsteps in the right direction. I like the the range of experience for all these guys that Brown's bringing in. Uh, seem like right moves. Um, I kind of like how they keep Doug Christie as well. Christie's just such a likable guy and, you know, seemed to do well in his first season as an assistant coach. So, um, you know, Mike Brown's bringing in his guys, and, you know, Mike Brown's a – you know, a trustworthy coach and Jordy Fernandez, you know, great basketball mind. Uh, Jay Triano, just a guy who's been in the league for decades, really decades. And, you know, just has a wealth of uh, basketball experience. And, you know, and like you said, kind of like the new, the newer guy, Luke Lux, Lux, Lux. We're going to call it Lux. Lux, I like that. Luke Lux. He's lucky. I kind of like Luke Lux because he like, Luke Locks. He's like he's like a defensive coach, and so um, Luke Locks. Luke Locks him down. <laughs> Luke Locks. It's better than Luke. L- L- yeah, yeah. No, that's just better. I like that. Okay. Locks. I like Locks. <laughs> Luke Locks. Um, Locks. You know, and so it's like you know, the, yeah, like you said, the innovative guy bringing it in. So I, I like how it, they're all kind of different. They bring in their own thing. Um, under Mike Brown, who's kind of like. At the end of the day, he's going to tie it all together. He's, you know, Mike Brown, just good coach. He, you know, and he was, he wasn't that exciting at the beginning because when you heard the Kings were going to interview him, it's because he just, he just, I don't know, he just wasn't an exciting guy. He's just good on both sides of the ball, um, well liked guy, but um, you know, in your most aspirational dreams, he wasn't exactly the one you thought of. But he makes a lot of damn sense at the end of the day. Exactly. And so bringing in these guys, maybe bringing different perspectives for Brown, um, it's just it's just awesome. And um, the Kings are definitely moving in the right direction with these uh, with Brown picking up these guys, bringing on to his staff. Yeah, I think one of the things that's interesting mentioning Christie um, is you know they it's confirmed that Christie will be transitioning over to the new coaching staff. But you didn't hear the same thing necessarily about Rico Hines. And I guess, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean he won't be on the staff. But, you know, as much as Rico Hines has a great uh, reputation among players around the league and other coaches, um, one of the things that you see with all three of the guys being brought in, I mean, like, of course, you'd like to keep Rico Hines. But Rico Hines' specialty is player development. And the Kings are bringing in guys that are very player development focused. You know, that's Mm -hmm. how... Fernandez met Mike Brown. He was part of a, uh, you know, a developmental program for uh, youth basketball players um, before college. And uh, Jay Triano um, was a college coach for a while. And that takes a bit of a kind of player development aspect as well. Um, he, you know, was trying to recruit Steve Nash way back in Canada uh, in the nineties. And, uh, you know, locks obviously, has been um, 
part of the playing player development uh, staff of the Warriors um, for I think four out of his five years there, um, and he was with the Suns this last season in a, like a specialty strategy role that I'm not even 100% sure you would consider that a coach or a front office role, but it's super duper special dandy role that he has. Um, and the guy got a job just sending an email to the Warriors, um, got an internship, and then they they kept him around. Um, you know, a lot like what we were saying about Will Hardy when he was being considered, you know, kind of a similar story. Um, so that's, it's, that's, it's a good thing to hear, you know? And, uh, so in terms of player development, it seems like they should still be pretty all right. Um, even if, uh, Rico Hines takes his, uh, abilities to another sideline. Um, but you know, it seems like a solid move and, uh, you know, obviously with, uh, Jordy Fernandez was an assistant on the Nigerian national team with Mike Brown as the head coach and. Luke Lux was an assistant and player development coach on that national team as well. Um, I, I I can't help bring but bring up our you know our guy Mezzi Mamba, <laughs> Chemezi Metu, the pride and joy of that Nigerian national team. I think that if you actually look at the stats from their five, six, seven games that they played, he was one of their better players. I think he shot like close to forty percent from three. Yeah, but I think he did too. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess it raises the question, not the question, but it probably lends to the idea that they might guarantee that second year money uh, that we were kind of speculating whether they would or wouldn't um, because he's such an interesting pick. But you have guys that are comfortable with him, guys that believe in him. This might not just be something where it's like, oh, that gives Metu an opportunity, a bigger opportunity to stay with this team, but it actually at the same time gives him a better opportunity to develop. With guys he's comfortable with, guys that might know him a little better. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. It, uh, whether you are, whether on bringing him back or what he can do or what role he would play or what the connection is with the coaching staff or anything like that. Um. Yeah. I mean, at the, at this point, I, I it seems like you bring back Chimezi. Um, that's because he's going. You know, he was with these guys on the Nigerian national team. It would make sense to bring him back. Um, it makes sense that Mike Brown would want to keep him. Um, and if he can develop, you know, well under these guys, and I mean, sure, like I would love to keep him. I, I, he has that potential to be that stretch four that the Kings need off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't really shown it, so it kind of makes me skeptical about keeping him. Um, you know, I, it's amazing he needs to hit those threes if he wants to be in the rotation, and he did not do that last year. He showed, you know, glimpses of being a stretch four. He was just way too inconsistent. And he was just playing bad at some points. And really, his three-point percentage for the whole year shows that. So, I mean, I'm still not 100% sold on Chimezi. But if there was a situation where he could actually excel and succeed, this would be it right now. Maybe you guarantee this next year. And if he still can't do it under guys he's comfortable with, then, you know, that's when you just don't extend him. Right. Yeah, and at one point nine million basically would be the cap hit. That's totally worth it, even if he's yeah. not really a uh, staple in the rotation. He could be of value, and there's upside there or potential, I should say, with what you what you said. Like you said, um, if he's really going to be 
that athletic stretch four. Um, he's got to prove it, and if he's going to do it anywhere under any circumstances, it'll be these in the upcoming season with the Kings and with this coaching staff. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, he's got to unleash full Mezzi Mamba. Um, like you said, we've that. yet to see that on a full scale. We saw it a little bit in Orlando at the end of the season. Um, until he ran out of gas, but you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I a lot of fans do like him, and he he offers a lot of potential if he can just string it together. You know, he can he can really be an impactful player in rotations in this league. But he's got to he's got to show, he's got to he's got to prove it. Mm-hmm. He's got to prove it, but he, he's you know <laughs> he should feel lucky. He's got he's got his boys behind him. Seems like with the Nigerian national team coaches, so. Uh, it's now or never for Mezzi, so uh, I guess don't mess it up yeah. if you're listening. Right. If <laughs> he's listening, he is. He's probably driving, you know, to the gym, <laughs> putting in his work. You know, he just gets dialed in when he hears our voices. But, uh, yeah. Makes you know, sense. Slowly painting a picture of what this Kings team is going to look like, both through what they might do with this draft pick and what they're doing with their coaching staff. So, Nice, nice picture being painted here, potentially. Yeah, yeah, it's being nice. Um, you know that the head coach is done. The coaching staff is, you know, in process, coming, you know, coming to a finish. Hope maybe here soon. You got the, you know, three guys so far, and keeping Christie. But yeah, really focus on this draft now and see what you know. Maximize what you can do with this fourth pick. I and mean, like we said. Probably trading back a few spots, getting a rotation guy, and still being able to get a you know a top pick in the lottery. Yeah, hell yeah. But um, you have anything else? I think that's it. I think that's pretty good. All right. Well, thank you all for uh, tuning in. Until next time, this is Tony and John bringing you Kingstock. Uh, have a good one.